Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, spoiler-free, and the occasional extra bonus. Like today, I'm your host, Aaron White, and with me for a fun preview of the Sundance Film Festival are two of my fellow critics from the Seattle Film Critics Society, returning for his, I think, third time on our show, Taylor Baker from Drink in the Movies. Thanks so much for having me back. And for the first time, Thomas Stoneham Judge from For Real. Yeah, making my debut appearance. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am pumped that you guys are here. I have appreciated your assistance in this lead up to my personal first ever Sundance Film Festival. I would be lost without all of the advice and the ability to bounce things off of these two gentlemen. It is a lot. And I don't know if you know, general listeners really understand that. They probably think, oh, it's so much fun. You guys just go to Utah and watch a lot, a lot of movies or sit at home and watch a lot of movies. And it's totally simple. It's not. <laughs> it's not that easy. There are ticketing nightmares and scheduling conflicts to get through that have caused us all a lot of stress. But we're closing in and almost there. And I'm super excited. So I guess maybe before we jump into this, hit you guys with this question. Taylor, how many times have you covered Sundance before? Same as Thomas. I think this is our third year. Third time. Okay. Straight. Yes. So we've um COVID. we've both Through now. Yeah, we've both covered virtually for two years. Um, and this will be my first time uh going to Sundance in person um and covering it in person. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'd say that being virtual canceled the heaviest lift which is getting to Utah every year, right? No, as soon no, as you no, remove no. that barrier to entry. See, Taylor good. Taylor doesn't recognize because he didn't book this year for in-person, but he doesn't recognize the plane ticket isn't the heaviest burden. It's the ticketing that we have found. No, it no, no, no. It's being in person, getting in to person. Utah and being in Utah. That's, yeah, yeah there the are heaviest certainly, lift. I, yeah, I wouldn't say true. that the airfare, if all I had to pay was airfare, I'm good. I would, I'd have you know to what? pay for lodging. That's where things get begin to get squirrely. There, there's certainly <laughs> and trying to find food in a crammed small city. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly a lot of uh, logistical challenges to overcome. I am fortunate to have had my experience with PIF, where that was in a bigger city, and so it was mm -hmm. kind of easier to plan that one. Although planning any festival you have to travel to has it has challenges, but but that was kind of interesting practice for trying to plan Sundance. And and as far as like buying the airfare, all you have to do is be drinking and have your credit card, like. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's how it happened for me two times in a row now. So <laughs> awesome. Next yeah. time you're buying uh, tickets while you're drinking, I'll have to be in the bar with you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. He's got his credit card. Like he's 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 good as go. He can cover everything. I don't know. After Sundance, my husband might take my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off. Oh, man. Well, we have decided to go through and kind of call out some of the films that we are most excited for. Obviously, some of these will probably end up being big hits. Some of these will probably end up being big duds. That's just the way that festivals go. I think the hopeful part of right now is maybe the most exciting to me because I get to just assume that these are all going to be five-star movies and i'm gonna be blown away by every single experience knowing full yeah, well that's, that's not, not gonna, gonna happen. happen right i know but you just don't know when it's gonna you come. might find one five-star movie well, or see, i i might maybe your criteria is different but i think pleasure's the only five-star film that i have gotten from sundance before so 
I I treat Sundance like I think Sundance has a very eclectic mix of films as a as a good film festival should and I think that they all have varying levels of quality and what that equates to me is like a treasure hunt right you kind of uh, dig through to find the gems in the process you know you're gonna you're, you're gonna find things that aren't quite your speed or that you're not um, very in tune with but on the flip side at least in my experience has been I have found some incredible gems uh, of films at Sundance and and have spent the rest of the next of the of the year nonstop talking about those movies. Taylor knows exactly how much I can go on and on about a film that I've seen at Sundance, and so that's happened a couple uh, both times. That what is I've that? Flea Sundance. and you won't be alone. Flea, you won't be alone. I'd also put Cha Cha Real Smooth in there. That was another one that I spent a lot. Yeah, of but time I'm with you about. on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we Cha Cha together. <laughs> we yes, we did. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's how I treat. Sundance because these movies as opposed to TIFF where a lot of those movies um, are programmed but but already have distribution they're mainstream films um, played a con already normally exactly right so opposed to that Sundance really is kind of like the debut of a, of a, a lot of films from from uh, a wide array of talent from uh, you know uh, uh, directorial debuts and um, and things like that. So there's there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to be hopeful about. And that's that's exactly why I really enjoy covering Sundance. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. And now Taylor, real quick, are you taking time off from like work and your regular life to try and binge some of these movies at home, or are you? Just oh gonna, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're we're full full week off straight. I think last time I was talking to Thomas, I had something like eighty six films in my watch list uh, to try to get through between like Sunday them. and Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it is like all of them, except I'm also excluding like almost all foreign language films. So it's not even close to half of them. Yeah, so going right. hard in the paint, but I don't have to walk from theater to theater. I yep. can just walk to my kitchen or my bathroom when I need to handle my essential needs. So my time can be more spent in front of the screen and writing. Yeah. I envy that having the time to, to write and actually do the work. Be a- I will say that's probably the heaviest lift when you're out there is trying to, in between everything you're doing, trying to manage all your screenings, figuring out the time to write or at least get your notes down so you can write later. Yeah. Yeah, I'm bringing back the pen and pad for this one. I have kind of ditched that at most of our local screenings, but I'm definitely going to have that in my backpack just in case. Oh, no, pen pen and pad was a lifesaver for me at TIFF and at the Vancouver Film Festival. Oh, good. Because you're like, I watched a movie. It was called. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like it. Now I'll remember. They all start blending together. Yeah, (laughs) it's really fun. It's nice to have those notes because, you know, I, I can remember like oh there was something i was thinking but i forgot what it was but it was really good what did i write down in my notes although the struggle with pen and paper notes is going back and trying to read my writing my writing is is a mess when i'm like focused and so like (laughs) scribbling on a piece of paper while looking at the screen that's that's it's hieroglyphics pretty much (laughs) yeah i'm with you there but we'll make the best of it Okay, well, the festival runs january 19th to 29th in park city utah as most people probably know and we are going to start now with going through our top fives and then we'll probably do some honorable mentions at the end just uh, worth chiming in there there's also uh an online component to the um film festival yeah. and there's still tickets available for some stuff so if stuff we talk about that is available online is still available you can snag a ticket and watch it at home in america 
yeah in america just because i i appeal to a canadian crowd as well and so i have to clarify that if you do are doing public screenings it, it works in america yeah good luck um <laughs> it may be too late but good luck yeah you should try and see if the ticket system actually works. We've had Ooh. some experiences so far. It has been interesting. <laughs> as someone who has a uh, some some people on staff that are attending as normal people, uh, it, it's working correctly now. Yeah. All now. right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, we're going to get started and count down to our number ones. We'll briefly kind of call out the filmmakers, the stars, the plot, and why this is one of our most anticipated. And then we can... Like I said, rocket fire through the honorable mentions and feel free to chime in on somebody else's, uh, you know, choice once they're done. If you. All have... right, Aaron, your number five would be higher than five for me. Oh, should I let you go? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to try to do that. That that could be real swirly with this many. So the movie that I'm going to mention first is called Eileen. Uh, this is based on a book by the author Otessa Mosfe, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. And it stars Thomason McKenzie as a young woman in the 1960s who is ends up in a prison and interacts with an Anne Hathaway character who is on the prison staff. They form some sort of a friendship is all I really know about this. And potentially something of a romantic relationship has been hinted at, uh, could be occurring. I am just here for this because of the Thomas and McKenzie vibes, to be honest with you. So I've been a huge fan of her since her debut. I can't remember. Was it Leave No Trace? Was that Thomas and McKenzie? No, I get him. There's a couple actually. Leave No there. Trace was Thomas and McKenzie. I don't believe that was actually her debut. I don't debut, think that was though. her debut either, but she's been excellent in pretty much everything I've seen her in. And of course, uh, Last Night in Soho um, a couple years ago, I believe. was That, mm -hmm. that was her as well, right? With Anya yep. Taylor-Joy. Yeah, um, and then Anne Hathaway is just an all-time favorite. Yeah, of so mine. her debut is a film called Existence that you've never heard oh, of in 2012. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but her first big film was um, some sort of a role in The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Yeah, we're not going to count that one either. Yeah, we're going to uh, skip that. So Leave No Trace, that was... <laughs> Leave No Trace is the word she kind of broke out. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that these two actresses on screen together, to be honest with you guys, I don't even know that the story matters to me. I just like seeing talented people working together. And I feel like typically the story will do enough lifting to make that work. And so that's why I'm here for this one. I, I would normally disagree about whether or not, you know, a, a film festival film with some performers is going to end up being very good. The thing is, this is from William Oldroyd, whose last film put someone called Florence Pugh on the map. He made Lady Macbeth. The dude knows how to make performers act in the camera and really give a great performance. So I think this is a unique uh, opportunity where we'll see two great actresses maybe make something that's very, very distinctive. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. I, I agree uh, with all of that. I don't know if the story draws me to Eileen, but the the actors and the performances that I expect from this movie does draw me to this. Unfortunately, like looking over my schedule, I don't know if it draws me enough to catch it at this festival. So I'm happy that you're talking about it, uh, Aaron, because I do think that it's it's worth mentioning and, and worth uh, at least considering a part of your schedule. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope that it's it screens and then people say, hey, this is one that you have to watch. And then and then I can I can bump it up on my priorities list. Yeah, I think yes. that's one of the cool things as well, just about Sundance or any film festival in general is we will all be seeing 
many of the same films, but sometimes at different times as well. And we can kind of share and, you know, give each other recommendations for, hey, by the way, I checked this one out. Put this on your list to see before the end of the festival. Or conversely, this is a waste of time. <laughs> Go see something else. So that's my number five. Uh, Taylor, what do you got? Uh, my number five is a film called Cassandro. It's the first narrative feature fiction film from a longtime documentary filmmaker. And the lead performer is uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. I always mispronounce his name, um, who you might know from Mozart in the Jungle on Prime Video a couple years ago. And he plays um, a dual role of like a normal guy named Saul and a guy whose name is Cassandro, who is a gay amateur luchador in El Paso, Texas. And uh, the film's about grappling with macho culture in Lucha Libre while, you know, trying to kind of tell the story of a man trying to make a life for himself, you know, in uh, the border area of Texas. It's 99 minutes and it's a drama. Outstanding. A lot of these, by the way, are in that 90 minute range, which I absolutely love. Very helpful for those of us on the ground, especially because. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's worth mentioning. I forget the name of the director, but I know that he's an Academy Award winner. So All probably right. the only Oscar winner at the festival. I hadn't even heard of this one. So you'll have to let us know how that one is for sure. And big performance piece, you know, it's all around one guy performing on a stage in Lucha Libre, which allows you to go big. So, yeah, cool. All right, Thomas. Uh, I'm going to kick my list off with really quick with landscape uh, with invisible hand. It's such a weird title. <laughs> I wonder where the title like what what like what that all how that plays into the story. But anyway, it's a U.S. film. It's playing in the premieres program, and it's a sci-fi film that takes place uh, on Earth, where uh, I guess a hyper-intelligent alien species. Um, I, I think they like find human romance to be exotic or something like that. I think quote-unquote exotic is what it says in the description and there's a teenage pair who attempt to exploit this niche through live streaming and apparently that scheme goes wrong something like that right it sounds like a fun sci-fi film uh nice to to you know have a sci-fi in the lineup but the the biggest selling point here absolute massive selling point is that it's from director uh writer director Corey finley who directed thoroughbreds and bad education two films that i love watching over and over again so uh, and I, I guess he also directed we crash which i did not see but I he heard directed about. an episode of an episode sorry an episode of we crash so he is involved with a lot of things that are really good i imagine this will be uh another one tiffany haddish also has a producing credit on it and is part of the cast and the film is 94 minutes so that appeals to me a lot and it's got Clifton Collins Jr., who should have oh, been yeah. at least nominated for an Oscar for Jockey. I like and it's got Michael lot, Gandolfini. Hey. I, I like him a lot, too. Yeah, it's it's on my list as well. And I agree with you 100%. Like, the title doesn't even make sense. Not just doesn't make sense for a plot, but, like, I, I don't even know that as a sentence, it just <laughs> as a collection of words, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, you know why he wrote it like that, right? No Absolutely idea. not. Because he has a bad <laughs> education. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's bring the dad good. jokes, Is, baby. What, what I, name did you get that off of? <laughs> I wasn't high on thoroughbreds. Is bad education the one with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, so okay, I like I that love a lot. Thoroughbreds that and I didn't lot. like bad education. Huh. So okay. we've got a nice diaspora. Yeah. We'll What's see. wrong with you guys? Both are great films. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gonna, I'm gonna bridge that gap. There They're you both go. Really good films. I like it. Well, my next one that is on my list is Stephen Curry, Underrated. This is a documentary from filmmaker Peter Nix. 
And it is essentially exactly what the title says it is. It is all about superstar, the NBA, Stephen Curry, and his career in college, how he went from a mid-major school uh, to the heights that he is now at in the NBA and ultimately will be capped off with a Hall of Fame uh, induction and his place being cemented as probably one of the 10 best players ever to play the game. I'm a gigantic basketball fan. NBA, NCAA, college basketball are my two favorite sports altogether. And so I'm just really excited to get a sports documentary. I love documentaries as well in general. And so to have something like this about a player that I have watched every bit of his career evolve, I think is going to be pretty exciting uh, for me. So it is high on my list. I bought a ticket, get to go to the actual public premiere of this one's the one ticket I was able to get this dadgum ticketing system. So uh, I'm hopeful because I believe Ryan Coogler, who is a producer on this, is also going to be available uh, for the press line. So plan to be checking that out as well. And the Golden State Warriors do not play on the day that this premieres. Now, I am totally speculating here, but there's at least a chance that Steph could show up. And if that happens, you will be hearing from me on social media loud and clear as I squee <laughs> constantly. <laughs> I, I will say that Thomas and I probably have the same respect and adoration for basketball in that we don't pay attention and don't really know anything about it. But we did both just go to the premiere at VIF for The Grizzly Truth, which is a documentary about the Vancouver oh, Grizzlies. Yeah. And that was very cool because they had announced guests and then they had an unannounced guest. Great. And the way the house pops. I hope it was it's like country it's, it's in like top 10 you know, moments in a cinema ever. I didn't even particularly care for the film, but just the way that the audience responded is so fun. So I'm really looking forward to uh, what you tell me about the film and the experience, um, but it's currently not on my contenders of what I'm going to prioritize. <laughs> I actually, well, well, is that, uh, I don't, I guess I didn't check to see whether it's online or not, but um, it is curious. Not. The curious thing for me about this one is that it's an A24 film. Yeah, it's an, an Apple, Apple original. Apple and A24 Apple partnership. A original A24. Okay. I guess that makes a little more sense because I saw it, it, it was a part of the late the late edition announcements, which were, I'm pretty sure, all A24 films. And I saw that and I was like, what? But I guess the partnership with Apple makes, makes more sense. Um, and I think one of the themes in me and my schedule is that when I see A24, I instantly get very interested. I don't think I'm going to make it to this one, unfortunately, but I do echo a lot of what Taylor said about our experience with the Grizzly Truth. Um, if you're in the, the right audience, the right environment uh, at a premiere for a sports documentary where there is uh, a lot of fandom for it, I think that that theatrical experience at a premiere can, can be unreal. And so I am looking forward to hearing from you about how that goes. Especially yeah. if during the Q&A they say, and we've got one more guest and those mm -hmm. doors open. Just, I can't. <laughs> then <laughs> the right guy there. walks through the pop that you get. That's that right dream. there is a that's a documentary right there. Right? Yeah. Like that's a big documentary moment. So, yeah. All right. Taylor. My number four is a small film called Scrapper. It's from uh, director uh, called Charlotte Reagan. It's her first film and she's done a, a slew of short films before this to hone her craft and it's uh, a film built around a 12 year old girl played by a uh, newcomer Lola Campbell and she lives alone. The way that the synopsis reads kind of makes it sound like maybe her mom died, abandoned her, got put in jail and she's 
living alone at 12, kind of uh, creating like a fantasy life where she imagines that spiders are talking to give herself that resilient companionship. And then her dad shows up, played by Harris Dickinson, and she has to face the harshness of the situation that she's in, their circumstances of not being uh, fiscally mobile, we'll say. And it it just sounds like a, a really great, tight, um directorial debut it's um the genres that it's marketed as or comedy and drama i think that when you have uh, a young girl in that type of a situation and she's trying to make light of everything and then you have the straight guy who's the dad trying to navigate everything that's hard and and shield her from it you get really special stuff kind of like the florida project and things like that um so runtime 84 minutes i'm very amped on this one yeah i'm pretty excited for this too just as a father who has a daughter who's older now, but anytime we get this kind of a parenting type of story, it gets me excited as well. This is this is also on my radar. I am looking forward to seeing it. It's been on my radar since the since the lineup was announced. It just seems like a very interesting concept and and I think uh, a, com- a compelling story. Be honest. As soon as you saw it was under 85 minutes, you were like, yes, that is certainly <laughs> that is certainly a turn on for me. Certainly a positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Yeah. You know what? This is one that I actually I have not heard a lot of people talking about yet. And so I'm interested to to get to gauge your guys's interest level on it. Uh, I'm super interested in it. Um, it's called Heroic. It's a Mexican film from director, writer, director David Zanana, and it's in the World uh, Cinematic Dramatic Competition. Essentially, it's about an 18-year-old guy who enlists into a military college and is subjected to toxic and abusive conditions. It's this is this director's sophomore feature and his debut feature, which I think premiered at TIFF in 2019 called Workforce, open to critical acclaim. I think it still has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so it sounds like this guy has a really compelling way of telling very succinct stories because both films are under 90 minutes. And it just sounds like a really intense subject matter. But uh, I can only imagine with how positively received his first film was that he's going to bring a lot of those sensibilities to making this story. And I I think it's going to be a little grittier, probably maybe, um, you know, it's really intense, but uh, I'm interested in seeing how how this one turns out. Um, And uh, like I mentioned, it's 88 minutes. Yeah, I like that it's 88 minutes. I do, too. (laughs) I've I've got this one on my radar as well. Uh, Anything at all related to the military is something Mm -hmm. I like to check out just from my own personal experiences. Having been in the military for 15 years, I get a lot of like similar vibes to the inspection um, Mm -hmm. from what what I think this could end up being like, obviously be slightly different, but um, I'm looking. Yeah, actually, that's a good comparison. I imagine maybe like a, uh, a, a more, a grittier version of, of, of um, the inspection. Cause I think, as as tough of a subject matter as the inspection is, it's still kind of a I don't want to say a feel good film, but there there's a lot of positive that comes out of that movie um, with how that that um, that character develops. This one I I don't I don't know how this is going to go. I, this could be a really dark film. And so yeah, I I think that that's a great comparison, like a darker version of of the inspection. So is this about the American or or Mexican military? Mexican military. Okay. So what's interesting is, I I mean, it doesn't say it in the synopsis that I'm looking at, but, you know, the most compelling issue in Mexican, you know, national 
protection right now is dealing with the cartels and they're infiltrating all the intelligence agencies and all the PMCs down there, um, all the local law enforcement. And that's beginning to turn into a problem, I know, for the military as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that's part of what they get into. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll let you know if we see it before you. Thank you. I shall. Yes. My next one is something that I've known was in production for a while and was really hyped to find out that it was going to be here at Sundance. And it is called Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. I don't really love the title. I don't, seems like a weird, a Michael J. Fox movie. It's a documentary about his life. I don't know. It's just weird to call it a <laughs> movie, but. Was he a um, producer on it? Uh, I'm not sure. I would assume so. Um, it is being made. Then that's probably okay with him. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> he sure. Probably he probably thinks it's funny. He probably does. <laughs> I Knowing mean, him. I, I get having his name in the title that part i just it's weird right but the still and you have the shakes like he's gotta love that oh my goodness gracious that's just that's wrong that's 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 clicking to me now i i get it (laughs) yeah not only is he still here he is still still... michael and he's still michael j fox he has not become someone else uh this is from davis guggenheim uh the director of an inconvenient truth and waiting for superman two documentaries that have had various levels of acclaim Um, and also been controversial at times. So I am expecting something to be very gripping and to uh, really capture the honest truth here because Michael J. Fox is part of this. It's not something that is being told about him. It is something that he is actively participating in, going through his life, how he grew up, how he became an actor. And then, of course, um, I'm sure what his life has been like after uh, being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at a very young age and how that has kind of completely derailed and changed the trajectory of what was uh, an incredibly promising start to a career with his Back to the Future success and family ties and such. So um, this one is, I think, about 95 minutes long. And I mean, that's a good thing. I don't really mind when it comes to documentaries. I want all of the information possible. I just want to have the information be presented to me in a way that is not sanitized and I'll be a happy camper. Um, And I like to learn something about people. And so that's why I gravitate towards documentaries in general. And I think that this is a person that I want to know more about. And so it's high on my list. I, I absolutely admire that two of your five top movies are documentaries. Meanwhile, I don't think I even have a documentary in my in my honorable mentions. I think Taylor took the one that I would have named. <laughs> it's uh, just, uh, you know, kudos to you for for shouting out documentaries. Because oh, here's you. the thing is that I know I know that Sundance puts out banger documentaries. We like we know this. And so it, it's, it's just hard for me to gravitate to them when I when I'm not entirely sure if the subject matter is something that I'm going to be interested in. And so that's why Flea ended up being the very last movie I watched of Sundance 2021. But as it turns out, it was also the best film I watched there. So we, I know that Sundance puts out bangers. And I hope that uh, that as we get through, um, you know, the first few days of Sundance that I start hearing about documentaries that I absolutely have to see and can put them on my to watch list. Um, but it's just hard for me personally to like invest myself into a documentary ahead of like knowing what kind of, you know, what I'm getting into. The thing think- about Thomas is he prefers documentaries to be cartoons when they're not. <laughs> not a fan. 
<laughs> Look, if you yes, I I if animated documentaries. Actually, this is this is true. Uh, what's that one? My old school that came out earlier this year. I actually like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I I like having this as a thing too because you know there are definitely a type of films on your list, both of you, <laughs> that I don't really care for and I don't watch, and I think. That's what what's great about what we do is you can find people to follow that help to give you their opinions on different genres that you might be interested in. And, and everybody doesn't have to completely immerse themselves in the same thing. I mean, you have to make choices, too, when you go to a film festival like this. And I'm bailing on some of the biggest name titles that are out there just because I know that they're not going to be something that I'm likely to enjoy as much. Um, and so then we can kind of you know, compare notes and share, and we cover all our bases that way. I concur. Just on still before we continue, I always find myself a little bit anemic to documentaries about stars when I'm at film festivals, because in general, as you mentioned, they're very polished and self-serving, and they're not really a documentary so much as what one might encounter at a marketing firm when they show you how great they are at making films that will make your business look good. So uh, the danger is whether or not they feel promotional. And so that's why I'm staying away from them at this festival until I hear otherwise. But Michael J. Fox in particular is someone that I really like the personality of. I think that the way that he, I can't remember the name of the show, but he got Parkinson's and then he kept performing in a show and he made dealing with it part of the show and he made fun of himself and that's like very much in my personality and addressing things and so i i really enjoy that my number three is fair play a directorial debut by filmmaker chloe demont it is also notable especially for thomas and that it is the first film produced by ryan johnson the director of knives out that he is not directed ever he started as a very low-budget filmmaker, and so seeing how he produces other low-budget films, I think, is going to be um, very interesting because he could be uniquely positioned to really help filmmakers get the most out of what they're doing. The film's leads are Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Dynavor. I'd never heard of Phoebe before, but Alden's one of my absolute favorite performers. He was in uh, Solo, a Star Wars Story, and uh, Hail Caesar from the Coen Brothers. And the film is a thriller slash drama about a hedge fund where Alden Ehrenreich's character and Phoebe Dynavor's character are in a relationship, but she's working at a hedge fund that's collapsing. And somehow that turns into a thriller element. It sounds very, very engaging um, and like a fun watch. It's 113 minutes. Definitely on my list. I actually think I might be going to see that one in person. Might have been up there. I, I agree. Heck yeah. I like I, Alden Ehrenreich a lot. This one is it's on my list, but this is how this is like you're mentioning, Aaron. This is the challenge of, of film festivals is is having to choose between films like we don't have infinite time. And so I want to see this. It's on my list. I think I've slated it for like a um, an on demand watch for uh, for press. But I, I, I really hope I get around to it. This is this is one that I'm very interested in. And, and we, we just have a lot of great cinema to get to. <laughs> Let me see if I can get Hermione Granger to hook you up with the time turner, dude. Yes, please. <laughs> please do. Let's Prisoner of Azkaban this. <laughs> that would help. Yeah, and number three. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I don't know a whole lot about this movie, but uh, I am amped for it for some reason. Uh, so my number three is Polite Society. It's a UK film from uh, writer-director Anita Manzur, and it's a part of the Midnight Program. 
And the synopsis, uh, it pretty much says it's about a schoolgirl who is also training in martial arts and to be a stunt person, plans to kidnap her sister from her own wedding after suspecting that something about the spontaneous arrangement is not right. What about this says Midnight Program? I don't know. I have no idea. Which makes me think, okay, how does martial arts play into this? Like, tell me more about that. How does the stunt person aspect play into this? Like, is this going to be like the martial arts film of the year? I, I, I could... I can imagine a hundred different things, uh, reasons why this movie is going to be amazing. It is listed as an action comedy. Yes. So like, but then it's in the Midnight's program. So I, uh, I, I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. Um, and it's also a directorial debut. So all the reasons to see it. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. And I'm trying to go in not, uh, without knowing as much as possible. So this, like, I don't really know what it's about is partially me, like, not trying to investigate too much. Uh, one of yeah. the benefits to going into these festivals is not, is being able to go in blind and having that element of surprise for what you do find. And so I really do think this one is going to be a, a nice, pleasant surprise. And it's easier to love without expectation. Yes, exactly. I'm with you. This was one of the ones that we were hoping to get to on an opening night and right. ticketing problems have maybe prevented that, but... One way or the other, I'm planning on checking it out as well. And I think what you just said is important for a lot of these and definitely applies to my next one in that I don't want to know too much about them. Like, you just give me a snippet of plot or, like I said earlier, the actresses or actors involved or the filmmaker involved and just just spark my interest and then let me go experience it and find out what it's going to be like. Um, My next one has been a pain to type in all of my notes everywhere because it is called bad behavior, but it is not spelled like behavior that the American way uh, it likes to do. Yeah. It is spelled. I don't know if this is like French Canadian spelling of it. It's or just what. British spelling, it's British UK Japanese. spelling, okay. which is also Canadian is, spelling yeah. and New Zealand and Australia, and Australia just, which just is throwing U's in the words for no reason. That's fine. English <laughs> in India, Hong Kong, everybody but us. Okay, cool. I'm, well, yeah, that we we as Americans like to be unique like that. We like to be distinct by like not doing what the rest of the world does. I have definitely misspelled this a, a wrong. Uh, I've misspelled this a couple times on Twitter. So my apologies to anyone who like. <laughs> Thing, you know that's that's just my american showing sorry yeah, you you get the gist if, we, if we're talking about bad behavior whether it has an extra you or not you'll know what we mean uh this is from a first time feature film writer director named alice inglert who is an australian new zealand actor and filmmaker she is in the movie itself as well i don't know exactly who she's playing but i have a good idea i'm not going to read the full com- full plot because it gets kind of bonkers really quick, which is something uh, that excites me. But uh, the main gist is that the character, main character played by Jennifer Connelly uh, named Lucy is seeking enlightenment. She is a former child actress and she makes a pilgrimage to a guru who is played by Ben Wishaw and who is named Elon. So you just can figure out that this is going to be an intense and intentional play on or satire i should say on everything that is going on in the hollywood landscape Um, it is listed as an action comedy drama thriller so all of the things are going on here it seems like it's going to get kind of crazy and for me it's just all about jennifer connelly being in this i absolutely love ben wishaw as well uh, whether he is just doing voice work or you know he was in a film a couple of years ago that i did not like but his performance was insane 
and really showed a lot of range. I don't know if you Aaron guys... saying he doesn't like Paddington too. Wow. No, no. What? No, I love Paddington too. I, I love don't, Paddington and Paddington too. Don't get him canceled. Everyone loves Paddingtons. Okay. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, but this was a film where he is just manic and just uh, up to playing. He plays a character that's like at 11 the entire movie. And so I'm he was interested... just in a limited series called This Is Going to Hurt uh, okay. from the UK last year. It's fantastic. Really, He's really a great good. actor. He, he really is. And, and he was also in Women Talking uh, as well. So um, I'm excited to see what these two cook up. Jennifer Connelly's kind of not been in the public view as much uh, until Top Gun Maverick has like reignited for her. And, I, and I'm hoping this can be the start of a real like late career kind of comeback for her where she is in the forefront and getting really outstanding projects again, because I think she's an outstanding actress and, and this seems like something where she's going to get to show a lot of range and just have a lot of fun as well. I think so. she's in the Alita cinematic universe. So as soon as we get our sequel to Alita Battle Angel, she'll have Come on. lots of money. Come to on, make. Man. <laughs> money. I don't mean money. I mean, like good stuff. Like she's got. Oh, me. don't you talk about Alita like that? <laughs> I liked Alita, but like <laughs> it's not. It's, did, yeah. did we did we have to like Alita? I, I don't know. You did. You did. Um, so this is just a, a nice lead into mine, which also hinges on a supporting performance from Ben Wishaw. But Alice Engler, it's worth mentioning, directed a short film with the actress that you started with, Thomas and McKenzie. And you you didn't address one of the more unique Hollywood flourishes in the synopsis. Maybe you did that on purpose. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but I will. The daughter of the main character's name is Dylan. Now I'll let everybody figure out who that would be but that just adds wrinkle on wrinkle on wrinkle for this. And she um, she was just in You Won't Be Alone, Thomas, the director here, as a performer. And she was in The Power of the Dog. I, I'm very, very amped to see what happens. This this is in my top three for anticipation, for sure. All right, Thomas. Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess the You Won't Be Alone connection makes sense. I see Mark Bradshaw uh, with the composing uh, credit. Mm. Alice also is on the composing uh, list as well. Hmm. Yeah, she's doing a lot in this movie. Hmm. Yeah, oh, wow. I did. That's cool. Okay, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I oh, guess is, Taylor. Is my... Taylor's next. No, Taylor's yeah, Taylor. next. That's right. So my number two is Passages, which, as I mentioned, has a supporting performance in Ben Wishaw. But the film is from a longtime filmmaker, Ira Sachs. He made uh, Little Men, Love is Strange, a bunch of other credits. But the film is around, is built around what is termed as the German Joaquin Phoenix, kind of in the film community, Franz Rogowski. He's an incredible performer who has worked for a long time with a filmmaker named Christian Petzold, who's probably one of the best German filmmakers um, that's working today. And he's a man who's been in a relationship for 15 years with Ben Wishaw. And then he begins to have an affair with Adele Exarpolis, a woman. And so this is a film kind of navigating that triangle it's got three incredible performers adele obviously rose to prominence with blue is the warmest color ben with paddington because what's better than paddington and franz with christian petzold it's my understanding this is gonna be a, like kind of a, a mishmash of languages film um because adele 
obviously is bilingual. I think Ben is bilingual as well. And I know Franz is bilingual. So I think that we'll be going in and out a lot. The cinematography is by uh, Jose Deschai. I probably just butchered that, but he's um, worked with Bertrand Bonello on The House of Tolerance, St. Laurent, and he's worked with Mona, Monia Chokri on both of her feature films. And this is nice, tight, 91 minute drama. And it seems like it's very atmospheric as well. Um, they're really going to put the performers at the center of the film. And um, if my previous experience with the cinematography of Deshai is accurate. It's going to be a great performance piece. Yeah, Taylor, you uh, brought, you put this one on my radar, and I, I actually ended up uh, making time to build it into my schedule for the uh, in-person yeah. P&I. So you, you have a little influence, Taylor, a little bit. <laughs> I'll take I don't know a whole lot about it. Ben Wishaw gets my attention, I guess. But uh, on the recommendation of Taylor Baker, I shall be seeing this in person. I mean, Most you likely. couldn't put three better performers together that, that are maybe not well known, but are very talented, you know. Mm -hmm. Thomas, you're number two. Yes, my number two, which has been very high on my interest uh, list since the program was announced, and that's Magazine Dreams. It's a U.S. film in the uh, U.S. Dramatic Competition from writer-director Elijah Bynum. And I'm realizing all my all my movies on here are from writer-directors. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting little fact. It's a common indie thing, I think. It is, and, and I understand that. That that's pretty cool. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's it's a movie about a a bodybuilder. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I guess the character's interest in bodybuilding start creating issues uh, socially and with his health. And it's a it seems to be a really dramatic piece from this uh, from Elijah Bynum. The major selling point for me here is that it's it's produced by and stars Jonathan Majors, who. I enjoy seeing in film, whether it be big budget blockbusters like, uh, you know, uh, Marvel stuff, all the way down to, you know, Last Black Man in San Francisco. So he has uh, a range of experience in filmmaking. And so I think that that's going to contribute to how he uh, is a producer and, and uh, actor in this film. I actually recently watched Hot Summer Nights because I hadn't yet. And it's an A24 film. So got to do that right and so i watched it and and i i liked it i thought it was it was pretty good i think that i i am interested in seeing the development of of elijah as a as a storyteller and filmmaker and i i get the feeling that magazine dreams especially with the involvement of um of jonathan majors it will be an improvement on what he did with hot summer nights and so i don't know like ultimately the the premise doesn't grab me as much as it should i think like bodybuilder movies there was one that that was at a film festival before and you know it's just not not my subject matter but i think the pain credits... and gain best film of all time i don't know what you're talking about uh, it wasn't pain and gain <laughs> but yeah i think the credits on this film really has me interested uh, and i i know it's a really a highly anticipated film probably thanks in large part to jonathan major's involvement but uh, i'm hoping for good things here and the screenshot i mean that's and the screenshot—that's all they had to I do, know, right? <laughs> they had to, that's all they had to do. They Aud the, audience award just for the screenshot. I mean, <laughs> it, it, that thing is going to go down in history. I'm telling you. Like when, right. I remember when that when they launched that, the internet was just like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> Holy moly! This is the year of Jonathan Majors. This oh, is absolutely, absolutely his year to just own the screen. Between hopefully this and then Creed three mm -hmm. and Ant Man, Marvel, Manium, whatever yep. the heck. The title is i mean those are all three like just before march pretty sure those are all q1 q1 yeah movies, so. yeah he's he is breaking out big time i love to see it so i'm excited for this one as well 
I think it's worth noting Taylor Page and Haley Bennett are also supporting oh, actresses in it. <clears throat> They're very yeah. talented. I they had a lot of talent in Hot Summer Nights, though, and I found it very underwhelming. Um, so we'll see if he can maybe put that talent to better use. Um, additionally, Dan Gilroy, who directed Nightcrawler, Velvet Buzzsaw, is uh, producing it. Um, I think it's like his third film that he's produced or his second. Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that has a good quality, perhaps, or not. But um, it, it's on my watch list. I'm very skeptical, though, after my experience with uh, Hot Summer Nights. See, you just don't watch whatever that movie is that you're talking about, and then you don't have to worry about having that color. Yeah, exactly. Opinion. Just go back so and I haven't seen watch. that. Go back, go back and don't watch a directorial debut. <laughs> sure, that sounds like something I would do. I'm just going <laughs> to skip that and go straight to this. <laughs> well, my number one is called Cat Person, and I'll be honest, just the title alone, not even knowing anything about the movie, was enough to get me interested because I've always been a cat person. And I really do find a lot to like about this plot and I, and I will keep it very simple for those that aren't aware uh, this is based on a viral 2017 short story uh, that was written by Christine Rupinian um, for the New Yorker and it is basically about a modern dating experience of a 20 year old uh, college student named Margot played by Amelia Jones from CODA last year who is working at a movie theater and ends up finding herself in an evolving relationship with an older man who visits her there. Um, the older man is played by Nicholas Braun uh, of Succession. And so I love the pairing here just from an acting standpoint. I think there's a lot of potential. And this is just going to be a study of their dating relationship and how it goes into texting and the power dynamics of what occurs, I have no earthly idea what is going to happen because I have not read the short story and I do not plan to. I'd like to go into this cold. I'm sure that those who have read it will have a lot of different kind of opinion about what to expect from it, but I'm sold. I think that, you know, continuing this conversation about dating in a modern setting and how we do that safely and respectfully is important and it's billed as a psychological thriller and so that's just a genre that really appeals to me and i think kind of framing this in through that lens uh, will be pretty exciting the filmmaker is susanna fogel who is also a novelist i, I haven't really had any experience with much of her previous work although she was a co-writer on book smart which i hate and uh directed yes. and co-wrote the spy who dumped me which i don't which even know I if i ever got hated. around to it because i probably yeah, hated one. it yeah. but those are comedies so i'm hopeful that the difference in tone will not or will allow me to like you know latch onto her material a little bit better this time around yeah also in my opinion worth noting another michael gandolfini film like to see that and it has geraldine uh viswanathan who is a very, very strong young actress. She was in Bad Education. Um, she was in Blockers. Very strong comedic and dramatic timing and performance by her. So I think that'll add a, a strong wrinkle to it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one as well. I know very little about it, and I kind of want to keep it that way. So Sweet. I like that. Then I didn't ruin anything for you. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys both have the... Your next two are probably the top two that most people are looking forward to if you yeah. want to poll kind of general audiences who knew anything about 
what was playing at Sundance. So Taylor, <laughs> take us away. Thank you for putting some respect on the choice. Number one, Infinity Pool. Sophomore follow-up film from Brandon Cronenberg, son of the one and only David Cronenberg. Stars, Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth. Right, two pretty big people to build a film around. Two people with very diverse range that you can really use their bodies and faces to convey a lot of competing emotions and pains and laughs. The film is about them as a couple going to an island resort. The resort's supposed to be a great vacation place. And then they start exploring the grounds of the island that they're on vacation at. And all of a sudden, they're confronted by violence, indulgence, and terror. Sounds right up my alley. Sounds very, um, you know, in between Cronenberg and, um, gosh, what is the name of the fellow who directed The Lobster? Lanthimos. Lanthimos, right? It's kind of, it feels to me like it's in between that sweet spot of, you know, doing this this cultural examination through horror and terror and, you know, striking something that's a little bit more conventional um, and still playing into all the body horror. The OST is from Tim Hecker, who did the OST for AMC's The North Water, which was a limited series with Colin Farrell, probably the best limited series. It was either last year or the year before. Um, it also had Jack O'Connell. But the the sound of that show is what made it so um, resonant. And so I'm I'm really dialed into how good the, the score is potentially going to be here. This one's a little bit longer, 118 minutes. Uh, genre sci-fi horror thriller. Aaron, any thoughts on this one? Uh, uh, absolutely no. not. No. Uh, no. You know, <laughs> you know when you were saying, and it's also it's like Cronenberg and Lanthimos, and I was wanting to be like, and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> like, you're so taking like two directors that are just not my style and putting them together. So this so is all you guys. The, here's the thing: is that like Possessor? It took me a couple watches to really get on board with that one. I remember the first time I watched it, I didn't care for it because it probably probably because I didn't really know what I was getting getting myself into with it but after a few watches i i, I understand I, I get it now like i understand why people like it so much and so for that reason i am very interested in in seeing how i feel about infinity pool and just as a <laughs> desperate plea for anyone out there who might have any influence at all i'm looking for three tickets to the midnight premiere if y'all could hook a brother up that would be great thank you all right oh uh, that's my turn now yeah you're up all right number one which should be it's also every- my number one Yes, it would be <laughs> everyone's number one. Not uh, mine. Number one. Not yours. Well, GTFO. <laughs> uh, number one is Flora and Son. Uh, this was a late edition announcement and probably the biggest announcement uh, that Sundance has had so far. <laughs> Taylor's shaking his head. <laughs> Infinity Pool's bigger. Come on. But, if, okay, a really quick note on Infinity Pool. That comes out in theaters next week. So, theoretically, I could see it in theaters and still see it during the Sundance time frame. So, that's exactly. my biggest thing. Okay, so there's that, right? But with this one, it's uh, obviously Irish film uh, from, um, and it's a, it's uh, playing in the premieres program from director, the one and only John Carney, uh, who just makes really, really good movies, really good feeling movies. I'm not even going to give a synopsis on this because I haven't read it. I don't want to read it. I just, I have my ticket. I just want to go see it. Okay. But uh, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Eve Hewson. And in preparation for this, because the only, before this announcement, the only John Carney film that I had seen was Sing Street. And that was enough for me to get super excited about it. So I did go back and I watched once and begin again. And while I don't recommend 
binge watching John Carney films because they all kind of have the same beats, right? I think that they all follow a lot of the same kind of themes and same plot points and things like that. But every movie he does, they're implemented better and better. The characters are more likable. The You know, the story is more heartwarming. And so I just expect for Flora and Son to continue that trajectory, which if it does, will make this one of my favorite films of the year. So um, it could also be the biggest disappointment of your year because everything Thomas just said is expectations, expectations, expectations. Got it. You know what? This this is this is is true. This is true. But just think if it exceeds my expectations, just think about that. If it exceeds my expectations, like, you know, that's that would just I would start this year off. Yes, I would start this year off like on the highest note possible. So, yes, I'm excited for this. I hope everyone is excited for this. 94 minutes long, like right there. Oh, yeah. Easily my number one. It doesn't even matter what it's about. And I'm right there with you. Basically, echo everything you said. I'm a Carney super fan. Every every single movie he's made is just like a warm hug to me. Mm -hmm. Personally, I rewatch them frequently. I love all of the music in them. I'm excited that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is coming back um, after what seems like a pretty long absence, really, um, mm-hmm. in making movies. Uh, he, he's done a, a little bit of indie stuff okay. here and there. Yeah, and he and he's a musician himself too. And I saw, so mm-hmm. you know, that's and a, Eve. A I mean, is Bono's daughter, so she's yeah. going to have a musical quality. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I it think- will be. It- it will be interesting because uh, Adam Levine has held down um, the, you know, the leading tracks of his last couple of films. So it'll be interesting to see uh, um, Eve and, and Joseph, what what they have to like match that, uh, that feel good energy that Adam Levine kind of had with, with the songs that he did. Yeah, it's I just I trust him. Yeah, I just I, he is one of those guys that I just have ultimate trust in. If you're going to tell me some sort of a romantic story about music (laughs) he knows (laughs) what he's doing so i don't think he will disappoint uh real quick i'll throw out a couple of my honorable mentions Uh, the amazing maurice is really the only animated film that is playing that has any sort of interest for me and there there aren't a lot at all Uh, but this i don't want to like rain on your parade but that it has played at other film festivals and the responses were not positive Yeah, I don't care. It's about uh, a street cat who has a little band of a human helper and some rats and goes around the village countryside uh, and, you know, swindling villagers and having hijinks, etc. So I'm here for that. It's very short and it's animated and I'm a junkie for that. So even if it's not that great, I'm still going to check it out. I won't be checking it out like in person, but I will be watching it online. Uh, Deep Rising. Most likely. Yeah. (laughs) Where my dog and cats can see on the screen and go nuts. Um, (laughs) Deep Rising is another documentary that I'm very excited about. This one has on my list too an element of geopolitical, scientific and corporate intrigue. And it's all about like this secretive organization that is working to extract metals from the deep sea floor. Um, that are deemed essential to the electric battery revolution. I have not looked into this story because I don't want to know anything else. I'm completely um, into it already. I think Jason Momoa is narrating it, if I'm not uh-huh. mistaken. Yep. Um, so I think that's going to be a good deal. I have a friend who's already watched this one and was very high on it, and he and I tend to sync up 
99% of the time on documentaries. So I, I think it's very interesting because it's a way of getting those heavy minerals um, potentially without using slave labor or children. And so we have this really unique ethical and philosophical thing that we have to go through where we're seeing the pollution that it generates. And then we have to say, is it better to pollute the ocean and not have slave People. labor yeah. putting cobalt in your phones and children dying from respiratory illnesses from mining cobalt when they're in their 20s so that we can charge our phone? Um, yeah. So it's I, I'm very intrigued by it. Absolutely. The Longest Goodbye, also a documentary. This one has to do with space, which is another favorite thing of mine. And it investigates the ways uh, that we can provide support and coping me mechanisms for astronauts um, who are on long missions and separated from their loved ones while uh, out in space. I think that sounds really uh, excellent. And then uh, the deepest breath, another documentary. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. All the like, all the documentaries. Uh, all the documentaries. Like the, you have the documentary competition all like lined up. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, this one, I, I always go for anything with a sort of extreme sports or athletic type of angle to it. And this is about Alessia Zaccini, who is the Italian champion in free diving, and uh, she is working to set a new world record and go to the greatest depth ever without the use of scuba gear. And I just find this sort of fascinating achievement of athleticism and human determination to be really inspiring, probably because it's something that I just don't have in myself. I don't have that, you know, that drive um, and that kind of determination. And so I love witnessing other people achieve these incredible things and, and digging into the psychology of what it takes for a person to put their life on the line to go a couple meters deeper than someone else, because that is the thing that truly defines how they feel about themselves um, in the world. And I just, I love that. And then my last one is Fairyland, which I think is probably on most of our lists to watch. Heck yeah. Scoot, scoot, baby. Yeah. Scoot McNary. I don't know anything about the plot. Honestly, I didn't even read the I, plot. I, I actually don't either. Everyone keeps talking about it. So I'm like, sure, I'll go see it. <laughs> it's got Amelia Jones as well, uh, like Catperson. It's got Scoot McNerney, Gina Davis, Cody Fern, Adam Lambert of yeah, American Idol that. fame, and Maria Bakalava of Borat fame. And it's produced by Sofia Coppola. And produced by Sofia Coppola. That's the other thing. I, was, I don't even know who's directing it. I wrote down produced by <laughs> Sofia Coppola. Andrew Durham. Whoever that is. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sofia I will show up for Sophia and this is the closest thing to a new one from her. So I'll take it. Uh, so yeah. So Fairyland is another one on my radar. Mine too. My five other titles we'll say in no particular order are Iron Butterflies from uh, documentary filmmaker Roman Liabi. It's an investigative documentary looking at the Malaysian uh, jet that was shot down over eastern Ukraine in 2014. Tight 84 minute documentary. It's billed as investigative journalism. I'm very skeptical of that. Every time they say that, it's almost never investigative journalism. They never steal me in their arguments. It's always, you know, very much a straw man argument where they're only looking at their own evidence. So um, the potential here to actually dig in and show what was happening um, in relation to the Russian state and all the other interests between China and Ukraine is very interesting and potentially NATO. So that's on my radar. Another film, Shada, is a directorial debut from Noura Niasari. It's a mother and her daughter fleeing Iran as refugees, and they come to Australia to try to build a new life. 117-minute drama here and it, it's 
an interesting motif because Australia has been putting out a lot of immigrant and refugee stories over the last like five years. So I, I'm very interested to see how that continues to manifest. And a lot of them are very good and meaningful. The next one is The Starling Girl. We got another directorial debut. This one is from Laurel Parme, a young woman played by Eliza Scanlon, who was in Baby Teeth, another directorial debut that did very well, begins having an affair with her youth minister while trying to maintain the public facade of her innocence in a small town. <clears throat> that sounds like it could potentially be, you know, one of my favorite films at the festival because it's built around a great performer in Scanlon. Any thoughts on any of these guys before I keep going? I'm over here busy, like <laughs> getting an online ticket to Iron Butterflies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, that's a documentary that I was not aware of. For some reason, I hadn't yeah. noticed that. And that's going on my list right away. Um, the Starling Girl is also on my list. I'm going to be honest. I always approach this type of plot with a lot of, I don't know, I'm very reluctant when it comes Skepticism. to this. Skepticism. Skepticism is a good word. I, I am still very religious. I come from a Christian upbringing. I'm much more liberal than most people that I grew up with and most people that would get the label of Christian even today, but just, it always it puts me a little bit on edge when someone is making a commentary on uh, my faith and, and what that's going to be. It almost always is not a positive light. And uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad movie. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be accurate in the portrayal of the way that events can actually happen to people. I just, so I do plan on seeing it. I love Eliza Scanlon, especially in little women. Um, so, um, but I am just kind of, just a little bit nervous uh, to make sure it doesn't. I never want them to go too far into making fun of the faith. I, I kind of, I just, I like a film to respect that people believe a thing without condemning everyone. Um, you can condemn my a sense is that this is more about the human foibles, yeah. right? Especially, you know, that that lower age, right? Youth pastors are normally no older than 30. And so but they're still trying to hang out with these high schoolers. And so I think it's a particularly interesting thing, not just in Christianity, but anytime you have people that are under legal age hanging out with people over legal age and what happens. It's and an in a position of authority. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. For sure. I do expect to see Iron Butterflies. So that's on my list. Shada and the Starling Girl are also uh, things that are on my radar and that I'm hoping to make time for. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Shada um, is an opening night, uh, has an opening night P&I screening that I actually might have some availability for. So I am looking at that. And uh, and yeah, Starling Girl also piqued my interest as well. So these are these are all Good selections, Taylor. <laughs> well, my my final two are Victim slash Suspect, directed by Nancy Schwartzman, who's done a, a handful of other documentaries. I think one about um, a college football team. And this one, she's traveling around the U.S. to examine why reported rapes by young women are routinely turned into charges of false reporting to the girls that are doing the report, sometimes ending with those girls being arrested and imprisoned. 90-minute documentary sounds very harrowing, um, and it's not an angle of the conversation, we can say, since Me Too, that's really been examined. There's been some stuff like that. Um, uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but there was a Netflix show that was set in Linwood, I think, that examined um, part of this idea. But this is really getting into, you know, hopefully the systemic numbers and unique use cases where these girls are having the whole system flipped on them and being thrown in prison. Um so very harrowing. Uh, this is this, earlier I mentioned Taylor had a documentary in his in his uh, honorable mentions. This is the one I was talking about. 
So I'm, I am interested in this one very much. So it's probably my, the documentary I'm most interested in for no particular reason. <laughs> On my list as well. My final film is directed by Anthony Chen, who's um, made geez, probably half a dozen uh, features now, and it's called Drift. It's got a few notable actors in it, uh, Cynthia Revo, Alia Shockett, and Honor Swinton Byrne. And it's about a young refugee who lands on a Greek island and tries to survive. I don't know more than that, and I don't really want to know more than that. I believe that mm-hmm. the refugee is Cynthia, and I'm all for whatever happens. Yep, this is a this is on my list as well. Same, (laughs) same. (laughs) Cynthia Revo is the the real draw here for me. I don't really need to know anything else. Chen has made strong features before, so that makes me happy because sometimes you you see performers like Cynthia that are going to be really big and are really good used by lower quality filmmakers to get a movie made. And this feels like that's not the case. So I'm happy. I, I like Taylor's uh, Taylor's honorable mentions. Those are those are all actually on my list of things to watch. So well done. Tom, Thomas approves. You have you, Thomas you've got well, probably my top other and yours. So oh, yeah. OK. I don't have the credits written down for these or memorized. So I'm just going to name the movie and then name the reason it's on this list. Um, so uh, one of them is shortcomings. Literally, this is I mean, uh, I do know the director is Randall Park. And so that's interesting. But this one is really on my radar because uh, the the rest of the for real team is really excited about this one. So I'm like, great, I can be excited, too. Awesome. I don't I don't know a whole lot about it, but that's they, not true. It's on your list because it's a 90 minute comedy. There is that as well. If there it was 99 well. minutes, you're done. <laughs> I might have I might have bumped it down the priorities list a little bit. No, but their enthusiasm for this film really has me enthusiastic about it. So, so the shortcomings, theater camp, I have on the list as well. Um, Heck yeah! I'm making a very very loose connection here, but I just recently watched uh, Dear Evan Hansen, which a lot mm-hmm. of people did not like. It's oh, definitely... it's bad. Okay, so a lot of people did not like. I <laughs> Aaron is up here, just like is this like a I did not like it. That's a five <laughs> or, out of five. A because five I, out of five. I adore it. Yes. Okay. All four. I gave it the lowest score that I, I know. Give I'm with a star. way on the other spectrum of everything. Okay. Is. Cool. I'm happy that to hear that there's some some uh, 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 at least a variety of opinions because I actually I didn't mind it. I do think the first half of it is better than the second half. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about Dear Evan Hansen. The connection that I'm making is Ben Platt uh, being a theater person, uh, Dear Evan Hansen being a theater movie, and now him being a part of this movie about uh, theater love. So I'm I'm very interested. I mean, I watched the little uh, director introduction on the Sundance page and just, you know, this certainly sounds like a, a theater nerd out kind of thing. And honestly, I'm here for it. You know, there, there's people with this passion for theater uh, bringing it to the big screen. I hope it translates really well. So um, the supporting cast is rounded out by the director herself, Molly Gordon, mm-hmm. Amy Sedaris, Jimmy Tatro who is more of a character actor, but very, very good. And Patty Harrison. Mm-hmm. The, those are all like indie, really good, solid to great um, character actors at minimum. So I'm looking forward to it. And then the co-director is Nick Lieberman. It's a directorial right. debut by the two of them. Yes. And I I am a big fan of writer, director, actor movies. There's one at Sundance that wasn't a big fan of. Oh, but, duh. Uh, <laughs> produced by Will Ferrell and Eric Feig. Eric Feig oh, that's produced true. Cha-Cha. Uh, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> anyway, theater camp is an honorable mention. I'm looking forward to seeing it. In fact, I actually have a reservation for the um, panel for that one. So a thousand and one is on my list because 
So not, this A24, right? Hold on. Why is this one on my list? There is a reason this is on my list. A thousand and one Sundance. I, b- I believe that it's um an A24 film. Yeah. Let me just fact check real quick. No, Focus Features film. Focus Features. That's thank you. It was it's a Focus Features film. Directorial debut, but I did go back and watch her short film, uh the director A.V. Rockwell. I went back and watched her short film Feathers. She she made like a dozen, so Okay, well, there was one that was uh, there was one that was picked up by Searchlight and that was Feathers. And there's certainly a distinct style that she has uh, in that film that I can see in just the the header image that we have here. And so I'm interested in how that style of filmmaking expands into her feature directorial debut. And it's produced by Lena Waithe. So, yes, yes. So plenty of reasons to check that one out. Let me get my notes back up. Lena um, Waithe is one half of Master of None for anyone that doesn't know. The Aziz Ansari uh, Netflix series. Thank you. And actually now that I'm looking at it, these these last ones are also A24. Past Lives was a late addition uh, that I know nothing about, but know that it's an A24 film, so it is now a priority. And you hurt my feelings. I'm sorry A24. that I hurt your feelings. Didn't you always to. hurt my feelings. I knew that was close. <laughs> Past Lives is is not one that I am prioritizing, but I look forward to hearing from you about it. And You Hurt My Feelings is definitely um, probably like my number six out of my most anticipated. It's from Nicole Hall of Center, who uh, wrote probably the best third of The Last Duel, which was written by three different screenwriters, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, but she wrote, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Enough Said, Friends With Money. Um, and this is her reteaming with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She She's one of my favorite um, female filmmaking voices that just really makes like a distinct feminine perspective film um, that's really refreshing. So I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, on my list as well, as is the one that you bumped off, Taylor. Do you want to briefly just mm-hmm. mention that? Yes, let's, uh, let's mention that one real quick because I'm excited. Yeah, so there's uh, my my sixth that I swapped out for Iron Butterflies was Sometimes I Think About Dying, which is the sophomore follow-up after, I believe, seven years for Rachel Lambert. The film is based on a short film from 2019 of the same exact name but it had a different director and a different lead for that short film and that's this film's also based on the killers so it's based on a short film and a play called killers and daisy ridley plays fran who works at an office and has dark thoughts about herself or dying and she begins dating a co-worker but she can't seem to get out of her own way and be happy. It's billed as a drama slash rom-com. I don't know how much I believe that it's going to be a rom-com, <laughs> but uh, I- interesting. Very cool. Definitely on my list Very as cool. well. All right. Well, that's a lot of movies. That's that's a whole ton. Uh, there it are... is. Now let me list line by line every other film we did. <laughs> <laughs> I look, yes, as we go through all, what, 84 that are on your watch, <laughs> to watch yeah. list. Yes, there are please. many, many, many more. You can go to the Sundance uh, website and check them out. And you'll be able to read slash listen to tons of coverage in the coming weeks uh, as we see these and kind of help solidify what should be on your lists to watch the rest of this year as these movies do start to get wider actual releases. And I want to make sure you know where to do that. So, Taylor. Where can people find your Sundance coverage and other stuff, of course? 
They can find every single thing that I do movie-related at drinkinthemovies.com. We've got reviews. We've got a special little thing that says festival. If you want to go read what we're doing at the festivals, that's where you'll find all the coverage of this stuff. And worth noting, you mentioned it earlier, if people want to see Infinity Pool, it's not just at Sundance. They can go see it at their local AMC, Regal, whatever, like the opening night next week. So pass that in there. And Thomas, where can people find your work? Yeah, so I am very happy to uh, be going to Sundance with two of uh, our other writers on For Real. And we'll be publishing all of our content at thisisforreal.com. For Real, of course, spelled F-O-R-R-E-E-L. Connect with For Real on social media at This Is For Real on Facebook and Twitter. It's This Is For Real underscore IG on uh, on Instagram. And if you feel so inclined to, you can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, like all the social medias uh, at Being TSJ. Definitely link up with me if you have those three Infinity Pool midnight premiere tickets, you know, that you've been waiting to send to me. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you can find me, of course, everywhere listed in the show notes on all my social media channels, and I'll be posting smaller, short reviews uh, in written format on the website at feelandfilm.com as the festival goes on, or probably on my letterbox too, so you can just check that out if you would prefer. And then we'll be collecting some folks, including Thomas and Taylor and some other Seattle film critics who are covering Sundance to do a series of episodes on a whole slew of these movies in the weeks that follow Sundance once we're able to slow down and talk a little bit more about them in depth. I see Taylor is showing his love for cat person. I am. And <laughs> I, I'm also trying to make sure that Aaron just wears a smile instantly. He went from frown to upside down frown. So just had to see precious. that bottom face. I love it. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys so much for doing this and joining me. I really appreciate it. For right. having us. I'm looking Thanks forward for to the us. follow-up conversations where we dig into these uh, these films, and I'm looking forward to you guys telling me what I need to add to my list and what I can go ahead and drop. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, listeners. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling film. Mm-hmm.